0: It's Wednesday, July 19th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer. And this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Wright Report, your daily news podcast. I've got a special brief for you this morning that is shaping America and the world. Today, it's a focus on the A.I. revolution. That's a series that we launched back on July 11th. It's all about how computer scientists are working on programming that is just as smart, if not smarter, than the human mind. Well, we continue that conversation this morning by starting with Johnny Cash, or at least the AI version, Johnny Cash. And that's because there's a new song out this week where AI Johnny is singing about Barbie, of all things. It's called A deep fake. So we are going to listen to it and then discuss how incredible and dangerous this AI technology can be. Then we pivot to an issue that virtually nobody else is talking about regarding this AI revolution, and that's energy. As I'll share with you, the computers that run AI, they consume a massive amount of electricity. And if we don't figure out where that's going to come from, it'll either crash the grid or, as we have seen in other countries, it'll force factories to shut down. I've got details on all of that, plus a solution. Later, we close out the podcast with a listener question, not about AI, but rather about corruption in the U.S. government. And that's because we are a couple of hours away from a new IRS agent who says that he knows all about Biden family corruption. And get this, he's a Democrat. But first, let's get to our special brief of the morning. And let's start today with the question, How do you all know that this is really Brian speaking to you this morning? Well, most of us would say something like, well, I've heard Brian speak for a while now, and I know his voice, his tone, inflections, cadence, and all of that tells me that, yeah, this is Brian. And for thousands of years, you you would have been right. The human mind has a pretty brilliant ability to distinguish between voices and figure out who's who. In fact, there was a study done a couple years ago that found the average person needs about four syllables to distinguish between a voice of a friend or a random stranger. But that's changing. And to demonstrate that, I want you to listen to about 30 seconds of the late, great Johnny Cash. So he died about 20 years ago, but through the brilliance of artificial intelligence, he's alive again, singing a song about Barbie. So here we go. Well, if they free me from this A.I., if my voice was only mine, I'd bet I'd move it on a little farther down the line. Far from Barbie world, that's where I want to stay. Oh, come on Barbie, let's go party and take my blues away. Well, what do you think? To me, it sounded just like him. And that is exactly what the creator of this song had in mind. His name is Dustin Ballard. And he's got a YouTube channel called There, I Ruined It. And it's a cheeky acknowledgement of him doing something that he loves. And that's where he takes a singer's voice. He mixes it with a song that, frankly, they have never sang in a genre that they were never a part of. And then he sprinkles it with some AI magic. And from that we got a pretty shockingly good Johnny Cash. By the way, he's also got a very good Elvis Presley and a pretty fantastic Frank Sinatra, too, doing all sorts of crazy songs. But look, as fun or silly or exciting as all of this might be, this part of the AI revolution of recreating voices, saying or singing things that they never said or sang, well, that's raising some pretty serious questions. For starters, would Johnny Cash have approved of a Barbie song? That seems kind of relevant and important, but putting aside Mr. Johnny Cash, the point is that if AI programming can get a hold of somebody's voice, then what we heard this morning is that it can create something called a deep fake, which is audio or video of someone saying or doing something that they never said or did. And what's increasingly clear is that deep fakes are going to impact virtually every industry, every government, and every person out there. So let's dig into that, starting on the industry side of things. So let's consider this. Right now, there is a strike in Hollywood of actors and writers who are complaining, in part, that studios want to use AI to capture their voices and bodies for future movies or TV shows. But the question is, how much money should those actors and writers get paid for their deep fake selves, right? And also, what permissions do the studios have to get to use them? Well, that is the debate. Meanwhile, there is also concern about AI amongst governments, too, the, the politics of it. For instance, there's a fear that AI propaganda might be used to smear politicians. And in fact, that happened just this week. An organization connected to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis released an attack ad using a deep fake voice of Donald Trump. Meanwhile, we are also seeing the same political trickery being used by governments in places like China, Venezuela, and Burkina Faso. In Venezuela, for instance, they're using AI actors on their TV news that appear to be from the United States, and they're all saying very good things about the socialist government. But look, let's put aside Hollywood and governments for a moment. And let's ask, how will these deep fakes affect, uh, impact rather, normal people like you and me. So let's consider a woman. Her name is Jennifer DiStefano. She's a mom with two kiddos. She lives in Scottsdale, Arizona. Well, back on January 20th, she was driving with one of her two daughters when she got a phone call. On the other end of the line was the voice of her 15-year-old daughter named Bree. And that was odd. She wasn't expecting to call because Bree was supposed to be on a ski trip with her dad. But then this call came in. And this is what her daughter's voice said, quote, mom, I messed up, mom, these bad men have me, help me, help me, End quote. Then a man came on the line and he demanded that Mrs. DiStefano give him $1 million for the safe return of her daughter. Otherwise, he said he would do, well, a variety of very terrible things. In this case, Mrs. DiStefano hung up and quickly called her husband eventually they realized that somebody was engaged in a, in a very sick scam. They had gotten a hold of her, their daughter's voice somewhere, probably from uh, social media posts. And then they used AI to alter it. They created a deep fake. Mrs. Stefano offered that story to a U.S. Senate Judiciary hearing last winter. And she said this next statement to the senators that I wanted to share with you. Quote, No longer can we trust that seeing is believing or I heard it with my own ears. There is no limit to the depth of evil that AI can enable, end quote. Now, I should tell you that it's not just moms or dads who are being targeted like this. Back in 2019, the Wall Street Journal reported a case of a British CEO who got a call from what he thought was his boss at his parent company in Germany. The voice told him to transfer $240,000 to a particular bank account in in Hungary. And the British CEO, he did it. And that's because the voice that he heard, it was of his boss, it was. It was the same tone, the same accent, the same cadence, all of it. But it was not his boss. It was an AI version of him, it was a deep fake. But by the time the CEO figured it out, the initial $240,000 was gone transferred to a bank in Mexico and then it disappeared. So my friends, that is both the promise and the peril of deep fakes. Sometimes it can be used for fun, like bringing back uh, Johnny Cash or Elvis, but sometimes deep fakes can be used for evil too, to scam money out of CEOs or to frankly frighten the bejeebies out of moms and dads. And that raises the question of how do we navigate all of this, these deep fakes. Well, let me pivot to my opinion on that with one note of caution. What I'm about to offer you will almost certainly change over the next year. And that's because deepfake technology is advancing, my goodness, so quickly. But nevertheless, first, what I would recommend is that you all choose a code word to use with your closest friends and loved ones, your, your kids most especially, if you got them. It's a word, of course, that only you and they know, and it signifies that, yes, it is me or my loved one on the other end of this call. It is not a deepfake. For kids, by the way, you should probably practice this a few times to burn it into their memory. In other words, when they should use it and what it means. Second, if you get what you suspect is a deepfake call, hang up, then call the person back it's a pretty quick and simple way to figure out if you're being scammed or not. Third, and finally, go with your gut, right? These calls usually involve a scenario that is just a little bit off. The AI voice says something that you actually know is wrong about the person or the voice, it just carries itself in a way that it's just a touch abnormal. Something just doesn't seem right. But all that aside, folks, I gotta tell you, even with these three tips, It will be tough for any person to remain calm and reasoned if you get what frankly sounds like a desperate loved one asking for help. And that's because your brain just isn't wired to deal with deep fakes. Your ears are going to deceive you, just like they did when you heard that Johnny Cash song. And that is why I suspect that the ultimate answer to this challenge is something called defensive AI. And that basically means using AI to spot AI. And by the way, this technology does exist, but for now, it's mostly used by governments. But I would bet that consumers will have a defensive AI option too, because spotting deepfakes will almost certainly be big business in this AI revolution. With that, let's take our first break of the morning. Enjoy the following messages from our sponsoring partners. Remembering that if you don't hear my voice telling you about a product or a service, then I do not endorse it. We'll be right back. Folks, it's Brian here, proudly telling you about ArcSeedKits.com. Yeah, it's the farm that offers you heirloom seeds for both food security and good health. By now, you know that ArcSeedKits come from a family farm based in northern Michigan. They've got their bestseller, an all-in-one seed kit that gives you, my goodness, fruits, vegetables, even medicinal herbs. But they also have a smaller, more personalized offering, too. It's a seed kit with just those traditional medicines. And it's called the Build Your Own Kit. And it is super easy, very affordable. And I want to tell you how it works. First, you go to orcseedkits.com. Then you click on the Shop Now button and choose Build Your Own Kit. Then you select the option that best fits you and your budget. And boy, oh boy, do you have options. 16 different varieties of medicinal herbs to choose from with data that show that you can treat things like stomach aches and inflammation, topical pain, even sleeplessness. And here's the best part. Your build your own heirloom seeds can be grown and harvested and replanted year after year. Folks, that is medicine that you can count on. And by the way, if you've never grown medicinal herbs, do not worry. Call Arc Seed Kits when you order and ask them any questions you have from what to choose to how to grow it. The owner of Arc Seed Kits, she is going to pick up your call and step you all the way through it. Now that is customer service. So folks, do yourself a favor and buy good food and good health from arcseedkits.com. That's Arc like Noah's Arc, arcseedkits.com. As always, enter right as the promo code, that's W-R-I-G-H-T, and you will get 10% off your order. So folks, go to arcseedkits.com, get your build, your own medical kit, and I promise you, you won't regret it. Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue with our briefs this morning with more on the AI revolution. And we are going to switch gears now to an issue that, frankly, nobody else is talking about. But I'll tell you, if it is mismanaged, it could cause the grid to crash or prevent factories from producing the critical products that we need. So let's start with some news that I bet you have never heard. Last March, an ammunition factory in the country of Norway wanted to expand their production. And that's because the war in Ukraine is causing a lot of countries to run low on ammo, especially artillery shells. Well, this Norwegian company wanted to make more of them, but they couldn't. And that's because the spare electricity that they needed to do it was being used by a nearby data center that was owned by TikTok, the Chinese social media company. As the CEO of that Norwegian company said, quote, our future growth is challenged by the storage of cat videos, end quote. Well, he's right, right? Those kinds of data centers do use a lot of electricity. In the United States, they consume about 17 gigawatts of power. That's enough for around 13 million homes. But I'll tell you, if you think that is a lot, ooh, you ain't seen nothing yet when it comes to the AI revolution. And here's why. You see, most data centers like that, the one that supports that TikTok in Norway, well, they are filled with servers that use something called CPUs. And if I could use a very simplistic analogy here, it's like the engine inside of a car. Say, in this case, a four-cylinder Toyota Camry. Okay, so that's a normal data center. Well, the data centers that support AI programs, those, ooh, they require specialized engines using something called GPUs, which are more advanced and faster and complex. If I could use our car analogy, GPUs are like uh, sort of like the engine inside of a Formula One race car. But here's the thing. Just like a race car, GPUs need a lot of fuel to keep them going. In fact, a recent estimate by the research firm TD Cohen said that a GPU data center will need upwards of five times more energy than a normal data center. That is the equivalent of tens of millions of homes if we scale that across the United States. But it's not just the sheer volume of extra energy that we are going to need for this AI revolution. It's also the issue of timing right? The time of day that we need that energy. So here's what I mean. A typical data center consumes most of its energy during the day. And that makes sense because people are active during the day, but at night they go to bed. So those servers require less power, but that is not true of AI data centers. They run 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year on full tilt. And that's because AI programs, They're kind of like babies right now. They're sucking up and processing an unimaginable amount of information, trying to learn and grow as fast as they can to create an electronic mind that ultimately is just as good or better than that of the adult humans that created them. All right, so let's step back for just a moment and let's ask ourselves this if our future energy needs are going to be substantially greater because of this new AI revolution, are we building that kind of reliable power generation and that robust grid capacity? Is there anything going on in the world of energy that might suggest that actually we're tearing down reliable power for say something more clean and renewable? Yeah, we have a dirty green energy problem. So let's talk about that, pivoting now from facts and data to my analysis and opinion. So let's start with this. As listeners know, the Biden administration and many governments around the world are trying to shut down reliable energy production that comes from coal, natural gas, and even nuclear power. Instead, what they want to do is build out massive amounts of solar and wind capacity, which by definition is intermittent. Of course, the sun doesn't always shine and the wind doesn't always blow. At the same time that that's happening, they are also telling us to buy electric vehicles. But as researchers at Stanford University found and told us about last fall, most drivers, they're going to plug those things in at night right when they come home from work. In other words, you are going to have a spike in demand at the very moment when the sun isn't out. Right There's no solar power being created. In other words, we've got a mismatch of electricity production and demand. And if that isn't addressed, an organization called NERC has already said multiple times throughout the last year that we are likely to see regional blackouts. So keeping that in mind, we are now introducing the AI revolution with its 24-hour demand for energy with an equivalent draw of tens of millions of homes, which my goodness, this leaves us in quite a pickle, doesn't it? So the question is, how do we solve it? Well, two options, I think. First, we can always blow up modern life and move back to the family farm, which sounds kind of good. But there is also this. Back on May 5th, I told you about something called SMRs. Those are small module reactors. They're basically mini nuclear power plants. Generally, they're regarded as being safer, cheaper, and easier to build than traditional nuclear plants. Now, this technology, I will say, is young, right? There are a handful of companies trying to build prototypes of these things. A few are under construction in places like Idaho and Wyoming. But look, if you're going to to increase dramatically the energy demand in this country, whether it be from electric cars or these AI servers, you are going to have to increase reliable energy production and a whole bunch of it. And that is by definition, not solar nor wind. It's nuclear. Now, of course, that assumes that we want two things. We want our, say, ammo factories to pump out bullets. While at the same time, we want to drive our electric cars who apparently like to uh, play cat videos and new Johnny Cash songs. Well, I'll let you decide if that is progress or if that's what we want. But it does appear as though that's where we're going. And if we do, we may want to check out these uh, little nuclear plants. I think that is the future. With that... Let's shift to our last brief of the morning, and we're going to keep with our theme of tech and gadgetry and dirty green energy because of this. Smart listeners, you all have written me over the past year or so, either on this podcast or the previous one that I hosted, and some folks have said that I often ignore, as I did this morning, the important role of batteries in making solar energy more reliable, In other words the argument is that a solar panel should be able to create energy during the day send it to utility scale batteries which would then distribute that electricity at night when the sun goes down and that way you wouldn't need even backup energy at all no coal natural gas or nuclear power you would have enough to get you through the night until the sun comes back up the next morning well that would be awesome if we could make it happen but we can't and to prove why that is true. Let's talk about some recent news out of San Diego, California. So a little over a week ago, the Times of San Diego reported that the local utility just completed two massive industrial battery farms. The utility that is involved called the San Diego Gas and Electric, they were just absolutely tickled pink by what they had done building these new farms. They said in a statement, quote, "'These facilities can soak up surplus renewable energy "'during the day and extend the availability of clean energy into peak evening hours. And that will help California achieve its clean energy goals, end quote. But did you notice the careful phrasing there? They said that batteries will extend the availability of power into the evening. They did not say that the batteries will actually provide enough power well into the evening and through the morning until the sun comes back up. In fact, in their statement, they admitted or said that the batteries, quote, will have the capability to power about 130,000 homes for four hours, end quote. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, utility grade batteries will get you from sundown to about 10 p.m., give or take. And then you are out of juice until the morning, unless you've got backup power. Now, in the case of San Diego, they do. It's mostly, though, from natural gas, which, as listeners know, climate change activists want to shut those down. They argue that, well, natural gas contributes to carbon dioxide emissions and ultimately climate change. So, my friends, here's the key takeaway on this issue of batteries and dirty green energy. If your local utility invests in either solar or wind, Even if they have some of those industrial batteries, you were only going to have enough electricity to get you to about 10 p.m. or so. After that, they better have a backup plan. And if not, you should, such as, well, a generator. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. But I've got one more thing before I let you go. So enjoy this next break, remembering that if you don't hear my voice on these next messages, I do not endorse it. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Right Report with one more thing before I let you go. I got an email from Richard in San Antonio, Texas, who asked that I put something on your radar, and I think I should. In the next couple of hours, a very brave man will step forward and do something that I suspect he never thought he would have to do. He's an IRS agent. He was involved in the investigation of Hunter Biden, and for years, he and his team were digging into Hunter's foreign business deals. That's because we now know that Hunter failed to pay taxes on millions of dollars of income that went to him and various family members. Well, as this agent and his colleagues investigated these shenanigans, they were either blocked or interrupted by the Department of Justice. As they said, Hunter Biden got preferential treatment or deferred prosecution, and sometimes an odd deviation from normal procedures of investigators' investigative practices. At least that has been the sworn testimony of a man named Mr. Gary Shapley. He's an IRS agent who has been pretty public as a whistleblower. But this morning, we are going to hear from another IRS investigator, a new whistleblower who until now has stayed in the shadows out of fear. Now we don't know much about this new whistleblower, but we do know a couple things. First, he's a Democrat. And second, he's a gay man. And those two things are relevant because Democrats and attorneys for Hunter Biden have said that these whistleblowers are liars and partisans trying to take down the Biden family. But that is a pretty hard argument to make with this this, uh, latest fellow. Frankly, he's anything but a partisan. So today I'm gonna be watching this new whistleblower as he shares his story with the country and frankly, the world. Because if we believe him and his colleague, It means, ladies and gentlemen, that we have a corrupt man in the White House with a corrupt Department of Justice, and they are trying to cover up a very serious set of crimes by not only Hunter Biden, but his father, too, the man running our country. So if you have time today, watch that televised hearing of this new whistleblower. And if you can't, join me tomorrow because I plan on covering it in much greater detail.